Okay. Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I am your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are opening and offering their hearts and talents to us all. And today, I'm very happy to have as our guest, Christine Cernera, who is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Welcome, Christine. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate your having me. I'm very happy to have you. And I will, I will start off with the answer to my to ask you my first question, because it's interesting to me. What is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner? It's a nice big title. Tell it me is. What, what you do. <laughs> it's a mouthful. It's, it certainly is. So the role of a functional nutritional therapy practitioner um, is to help bring balance to the body. So anybody I work with initially, I get to know them through getting a, a full health history. I have a very comprehensive questionnaire I send out based on symptoms. Um, so I do do a very lengthy intake, but the goal of that um, is to find out where the priorities lie in my client's bodies. Could be digestion, it could be blood sugar regulation. And I usually do start with digestion. That's a very, very huge focus for me because it is the foundation of our health. If we're not digesting our food, we're not absorbing nutrients and our body is not getting the raw material it needs to function optimally. So that is my goal to get the body functionally functioning optimally with nutrition, with lifestyle practices. I make very bio-individual recommendations because we are different. We all have the same body parts, but we all work very differently based on our genetics, our lifestyle, our stress, our traumas. You know, you could go on with that, but it's very bio-individual, but it all starts with the foundations of health and one of the main ones being digestion. Digestion, absolutely. And in these days, I think one of the things that was easy to say the last two years, it's been kind of hard to digest all that's been going on. <laughs> concept and just within our physical bodies. How, what do you look for when you're looking to help someone with a digestion? So, you know, of course, food is always first for me, right? So that's one thing I would say all of my clients do have in common, right? Because even though we do have the same body parts and we do function differently, everybody needs good food because that's the fuel our body needs, like not, you know, avoiding processed foods, eating more whole foods. So that's the same for every single person I work with. But then we get into the nuance of, okay, what is causing the particular issues for this person? So is it just food? Is it how they're eating? Is it a very chronic, stressful situation that they're experiencing that I can help them with lifestyle, uh, you know, stress management, lifestyle changes to support that? Um, is it an underlying infection in their gut? I do do gut testing, uh, uh, testing for gut health. So it could be an underlying infection. And, you know, post pandemic, I've definitely taken the approach. I mean, I've always had a holistic approach, but I think that has blossomed into even more so because post pandemic, 
so many people, excuse my dog, so many people are, um, like you mentioned, grappling with anxiety and stress, and that directly affects our health. So I think the impact of that became even more apparent to me. And it, I take even a more, I take the mind body into consideration even more now when I'm working with clients. Yes, well, mind body is so, so important, connection. And also you said you were test for gut health, which I know gut health is so important. How do you, what kind of testing do you do? So I do use stool testing, um, which is also pretty comprehensive. So it not, not only tests for maybe underlying infections or imbalances, but it also gives me an idea of the integrity of um, your digestive system, the capacity of it as far as what kind of, you know, how much enzymes you're producing, what kind of inflammation might be in your intestines. So that combined with the health history information I get, as well as the um, the questionnaire I send for symptom, you know, um, right. analysis, I combine all of that to kind of see what the picture, you know, what's going on with this individual, because I cannot rely on one thing. It's a combination. And it takes a lot of really peeling back the onion layers and talking to people and getting to know what's going on emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Right. So, and you mentioned the word that I think is key is inflation. Uh, you know, the body's what happens to body parts when there is that. Talk, talk a little more about that. Inflammation. So, yes. yes. So inflammation, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of talk about inflammation and especially the functional field. But inflammation can be caused by so many different things, but it is the root of everything that is not feeling well with us. So whether it's arthritis, migraines, digestive issues, um, skin issues, it all starts with inflammation. So the difficult part is really finding out through kind of investigating, talking, you know, where is that, you know, where is that inflammation coming from? So that's what I really tried to hone in on. And again, it always, you know, I always start with food because a lot of it can be, a, a lot of the inflammatory issues can be relieved with just changing your diet. Not all of it can. So that's what we find out. You know, if somebody changes their diet from eating a lot of processed foods and starts incorporating whole foods, properly prepared foods, and they find that, you know, 80% or 90% of their symptoms are gone, you know, that's great. Then they found out what it is most likely. But for some people, it can get them like 50% of the way there. But then we have to kind of dig and see, all right, and maybe do the stool test. Or I also do food sensitivity testing in combination with the stool test. So there can be a period of time where you're removing certain foods while we're doing some um, healing of your gut at the same time. And then those foods can be reintroduced after a period of time. Right. What um, do you have? Are there specific foods that often cause inflammation? Yes, sure. So one of the top foods, you know, the top foods that I recommend that almost everybody who's having any kind of health issue, not just digestive, eliminate are gluten, dairy, um, I'm forgetting one, gosh. I'll say gluten, dairy, soy, those are the big ones. And of course, like processed sugars. Right, so, right. You know, if you're eating a lot of refined sugars, that's one of the first things I'll say you need to cut out now. With that being said, <laughs> um, 
this is where bioindividuality comes in, not just physically, but lifestyle wise and like how mentally prepared somebody is to change anything, right? right? So I have to determine that after I do an initial intake. Some people and, you know, everybody, we all have different lifestyles. So I have some clients who just start with like just one thing, like it might be just changing one meal at first, like the most challenging meal for them might be breakfast. It might be lunch for some people. So I will start out very slowly with some clients and they'll layer in changes over a period of time. And other people just want to jump like right in and start making a lot of changes. So that's something I have to determine on an individual basis as well, because there's only so much some of us can handle and some of us are ready to do more depending on what they've done previously for their health. Yes, well, when you, when you get to a point where you are really in need, you know personally that you're in need, you might be ready to start changing. But when it's just a matter of, oh, I'm over 10 pounds, what shall I do? Right. A lot of times I, I gather people say, oh, that's too much work. I think I'll just eat. Exactly. I mean, the thought of removing gluten for some people is just horrifying, honestly. So I have to know where to start. And we have a discussion about that. And we'll talk about, all right, what is comfortable for you to do right now? And even mm -hmm. those small changes can make a difference if they do it consistently enough. Yeah, no, I understand. I had um, lots of pro problems, went to somebody and we did a stool test and gluten, and I would have had a gluten problem. I didn't mm -hmm. realize, I didn't quite have the full uh, disease, uh, but I had gluten sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And then I just, when I did reduce my gluten intake, quite a bit. I, I actually went completely without it. it. It was amazing the difference that, that just doing that made. Right. Uh, no, I've seen that many times. Yeah. And also today, uh, what's interesting is the number of gluten-free products there are in the world. Yes, there's a huge assortment and uh, people have to be careful with that too. Because... What is it? <laughs> so I'll give you an example. Recently, I had a client, uh, it was like the end of last year, and um, she came to see me not only to lose weight, but just because she wanted to feel better. She was having digestive issues. And one of the first things she said to me when she sat down is, what you see here is the result of eating gluten-free, because she had gained a lot of weight in the last few months. Mm -hmm. So right. she was eating a lot of gluten-free products, which, you know, it's great that there's no gluten, but it's still a source of carbohydrates and sugar oftentimes. Yeah, yeah, they never said, they never said to me, gluten-free products means calorie-free. Right. <laughs> so yeah, you have to watch out with just eating that, that many carbohydrates. So I usually recommend to people, yeah, re always read the labels, make sure it's like whole food ingredients. And gluten-free doesn't always have to mean just like sweet cookies, cake, and, you know, real food is gluten, like vegetables, fruit that's gluten-free. So yeah, you, you have to be careful with the help, the gluten-free label and read the ingredients that they're good ingredients, you know? Right. Right. That's a big thing unto itself, learning to read labels and also which, which ingredients are good. Do you, I imagine you help people with that. Yes. And um, I find that the biggest uh, maybe misconception is when you look at a package and you're looking at the nutrition where it tells you how much fat and calories are in something, I find that, and I'm, I was guilty of this, I would say in the eighties, right? Where the whole low fat craze was very big. Right. 
first thing I would look at is, all right, how much fat is in this? Is this too much fat? I'm not eating it. I wouldn't even look at the ingredients, like what this is actually made of. So now what I teach my clients is, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling them to ignore calories, but I'm more concerned with them reading the ingredients versus that label of how much fat, sodium, I mean, fiber is important, but it's, it's the quality of the ingredients versus just looking at the calories and the fat. Because you, you know, our, again, I'll go back to what I said, I guess, in the beginning, you want to eat as much real food as you can, because that's what your body knows how to use right. to create healthy cells and healthy organs and healthy body systems. If we're eating a lot of processed foods, you know, mainly, I'm not saying you can't have any, but if we're eating 80% processed foods in a very small percentage of whole foods, our body doesn't have the resources it needs to be healthy. So that's why I focus on look at those ingredients, make sure you recognize what they are. And I teach them which ones to avoid. Well, that's important because you, you say recognize it. Sometimes you look at the words, it's like, I don't know, never heard of this word before. Right. <laughs> so I do, I do educate. That's another big part of what I do. Just nutrition education, what to look for, what to try to avoid. Not to create fear in people. I don't ever want to do that because I feel like we have to balance eating for nutrition and enjoyment too. But right. also instilling in people that, you know, healthy food can be enjoyable. But it does take time to change your palate depending on how you've been eating previous to meeting me. <laughs> so. well, also, also, I would imagine it's the habit because I think if you get into a habit like of carbs, you, yeah. It really is. It's like breaking a cigarette smoking habit or something like that. It's, it's suddenly you have a lack of something, and how do you, what can you use to replace that so you don't feel such a right. desire to have carbs again? Right. I mean, you do taking away foods that we enjoy does end up with that feeling of deprivation for most people. So an, another aspect I really try to help my clients with is finding replacements for those foods that they really crave or find comfort in and helping them find healthy replacements for that. And the, and the reason, honestly, that I feel that I'm good at that is because I had to do that with myself. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> well, what I got this question because I think I suffer from this is bread. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I do now have gluten-free bread because of what I learned, but still I feel that's a comfort food and that I'm not always hungry when I'm eating bread, but I'm eating it for comfort. What? Is there anything healthier or better for me, do you think? Um, there's definitely options for healthier. I mean, I, you're talking to an Italian-American girl who grew up in Brooklyn. And <laughs> okay. I, think I, I grew up on pasta and bread, especially on Sundays. We have pasta every Sunday. My mom made tomato sauce. I would dip white bread in it and eat tons of it. Yes. So I am definitely a former carboholic. So, you know... I do indulge in bread sometimes. I do give myself that, like if we go to a good Italian restaurant and they have good bread, right. I will eat that. I will not waste eating bread on some crappy Italian, cheap Italian bread. I will wait to be at a place where the bread is good mm. and I will treat myself. And But for the most part, I will avoid it and use um, gluten-free breads, but I do have certain brands that I like over others based on taste and quality. So for instance, I'm gonna name one right now that I love. Yes. And it, 
maybe, um, I don't, you might know about it already, but there's a brand called Simple Mills. Okay. And then they make a, a bread that you bake. It's like a mix. And it's called uh, Almond Flour Artisan Bread. And it's so good. It's like, it's just real. Every time I make it, everybody loves it. So that's one brand I rely on. I make it like every couple of weeks. Right. So that's a good brand. So there are, you know, I, I think I have found over the years of doing this that my palate has changed. It doesn't mean I don't want bread, but I really focus on finding better quality bread, whether I make it myself or I'm at a, a better quality restaurant. I apologize for my dogs. All right, dogs, dogs are part of our life. <laughs> yeah. they and they have to live with us. Yeah. <laughs> so how, and we've been going through two years of a pandemic and maybe, just maybe we're heading towards the, the light. I don't know. Right now it seems that possibility. But what have you found during those two years? How have things changed and what have you been doing to, to help people during the pandemic? So when it first started, um, it definitely affected my business. So I, I had to kind of pivot and figure out a different way to reach people. So I was doing anything I did in person. I started doing virtually like most, like all of us pretty much. Um, but I recently developed an online wellness subscription program where I have guest speakers speak every month and it in, it really encompasses everything I was just speaking about as far as mind, body, spirit, connect, uh, you know, uh, approach. So for instance, the first month I did, it was focused on food first. And then this past month, I had a woman who's a, a holistic practitioner and does modes of detox, um, but she's very mind, body oriented. It's not, it's not, um, when I say detox, I don't mean like, you know, you drink a shake and you detox. It's more of a holistic approach too. Next month, I have a holistic cancer specialist speaking about the mind-body connection with disease. So I feel that because of the anxiety and stress that really reared its ugly head during these last two years, that, and not only that community was affected by the pandemic, we were just, I feel like, I know I did, I craved more community. So right. I wanted to create a group where and, you know, naturally, I attract a lot of women my age and, you know, middle-aged women. Um, and that's just the way it's, you know, it has happened. But I feel like I wanted to create a community to support each other, not just learn. You know, a big part of it is education, but also supporting each other, sharing experiences, learning from each other. I really feel like that was missing for myself and for everybody I was meeting. Yes, absolutely. During this, I mean, one of the things that I found, and I'll put it out here for anybody who wants to use it, something called Lunch Club. And it's a place you go online, you can look just, you know, online for Lunch Club, where you put in your information about what your interests are and so forth. And, and they match you up. They use the, you know, AI to match you up with someone who has similar interests, not for the purpose of dating, not for the purpose necessarily of, of networking, although it could be any of those purposes. For me, it was just a matter of having another person in my life to talk to each week. Well, hey, that sounds great. Actually, I'm writing that down. Yeah, Lunch Club, it's very nice, very nice. Yeah. If you're interested, I can refer you, and people have to be re referred by someone, but it's simple enough to find okay. someone. Anyway, I am with you entirely on that, having contact with humans. I mean, that's what I love most of all about my life before the pandemic. 
And I love being here in, in Jersey City where walking around the streets, I met a lot of people and built some, had some conversations and friendships, but then the pandemic came and we sort of went back into our caves. Right. So you know, having that and having the podcast to do and having the, the lunch club to get online and, and talk to people and open to the possibility that you can learn, not only learn something, but you can get, feel a connection to learn right. how to feel a connection. This is something interesting. I'm just sharing what you may to help people in feeling less stressed. It was so hard with masks to actually feel, you know, people's face, to see their faces. But it teaches you also to look in the eyes and to yeah. smile and smile with your eyes and see them smiling back at you. This to me was a stress reduction thing that helps. That's true. That is so true. I mean, part of what I do with my uh, wellness subscription is I do videos, right? I'll do some videos. I have a Facebook group. I do a newsletter every week. So I've been doing more videos because of that. So one thing I noticed about myself uh, when I, you know, and you know, we're always most critical of ourselves. So I like, for instance, yesterday I was doing a video and I must have done it over like 10 times because when I first saw the replay of it and I had a friend of mine look at it, I was not like smiling with my eyes. Right. I was like being too serious. And so when I finally did the video that I liked, I'm like, oh, I look happy there. I'm like, it's hard to, you know, when you're not actually speaking with somebody and doing a video, it's hard to do that. So you have to practice smiling at yourself. But that's a good point because when I actually did the, the end result that I liked, it made me feel happy looking at it because yes. I was actually smiling. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's good because the groups you might invite to come and learn what, what you're teaching will feel much happier if you're smiling at them and truly exactly. smiling. Yeah, I, I was getting like too serious. I'm like, why am I so serious? Like smile, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah that's a very good point. It's important, it's important. So you're, you say that mostly, is it true that mostly your clients are, are women of, of around your age? Is that your usual client? Most of them. Most of the women in my group right now are between the age of like 48. And I do have somebody who's like 75. So, but most of them are between like 45 and 65, I would say. You know, that's a broad right. range, but um, I seem, you know, I just, I think I attract that because of my health history and, you know, part, you know, the main reason I'm doing this is because I learned the hard way how to be an advocate for my own health and teaching myself and then returning to school solidified that in me. And I want to, you know, give that gift to other people to know that they can be healthier, they can do things for themselves. They can be an advocate and work with their doctors to get healthier and not for them to feel helpless. Like I've felt in the past, that's yeah, something yeah. I don't want people to ever feel. Well, you can help. Obviously you are helping them by helping them to identify foods, helping them to identify activities, whatever that will be helpful. And also by this, just what you just said now, encouraging them to talk to their doctors. Too many of us, I think, we're, we're frightened. We're told, you know, just let them, they're the doctors. They know what they're doing. Yes. Just shut up and listen to them, as opposed to asking a question or two right. and advocating for yourself. And right, and that's difficult for a lot of people. It is. And depending on the practitioner you see, it, it can be even more difficult or easier. So I do encourage people to, you know, look at their doctor as somebody who's working with them and for them. And it should be a partnership. 
And right. there's no reason you can't find somebody else if you're not happy with the practitioner you have. Yeah, and that's a, that's a nice thing to be reminded of that it's you get to choose. We get to choose. If this is not comfortable, not working, there are the doctors. There are many, many doctors, many people, Absolutely. many practitioners out there. And they are, they are out there. There are doctors that will listen and take time with you. So I do want to encourage people to really take an active part. And, and I feel like not asking the questions, not feeling like you said that you have that choice makes you feel helpless. Part of the reason you don't feel that way is because, I don't know, I think, you know, I grew up that way too. It took me time to realize that. Um, so that feeling is, the helpless feeling is never good. And it, oh. yeah, so I really, I feel very strongly about that. Well, I agree. And I think that what you're doing is helping people to not be helpless, to give, show them the choices they have, which is wonderful. I think that's right. just grand. Thank you. So we amazingly, you know, the time just speeds on by here. <laughs> almost finished. I want to make sure before we end that if people who are listening to us now would like to get in touch and have been stimulated as have I by all that we've talked about here, would like to some answers to questions, how is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, my website is christinecernera.com. That's pretty easy. And on there, they can look at my services. They can get in touch with me on there. They can book a free discovery call on there. And my email is realsimplefood, number four, you at gmail.com. That's oh, another way. Number four. You, letter you. Oh, you, number four, yes. you, for you. That's Real right. Simple food, that. Number four, letter U at gmail.com. I know it's long, but the website really has um, all those ways. You can schedule a phone call, you can email me, and you can schedule a FaceTime call, like a Zoom call with me on my website. So that's probably the best way. Well, that's wonderful, Christine. And before we end, I guess my last question would be, what is your hope and vision for the future once we say goodbye, at least if hope we do say goodbye to this uh, situation we're in now? Well, I, it's pretty much kind of repeating what I said, but I really, really want people to know that even with the pandemic, this is not going to be the last challenge we have as a community and personally, you know, it's not, it wasn't the first, it won't be the last. So I just want people to know that they can create more resiliency of their body and mind, which will only help you no matter what you encounter. So what I teach people is that resilience is the most important thing. And the only way you can become resilient is by educating yourself and getting healthier with that education. And that can serve you for a lifetime. And also it's something you can pass down to your family, your children, your grandchildren. So that's what I, I really want for people to, anybody who works with me, I feel like it, they can pass it on, this legacy of better health and resiliency. That's the most important thing to me. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. And, and thank you for having me again. It's a delight, take good care now. <laughs>